0: Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning.
1: And I'm Trinity French.
0: And we are your business coaches at wired to change We help you get your business off the ground running smoothly so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. All right, Trinity, it's food time. We're talking feast or famine.
1: Mm.
0: But it's actually about your business and why you're feasting and why you are famineing.
1: But it is the holiday, so I have been doing probably too much feasting over the last few weeks. And it's probably time for me to do like a good 90-day famine.
0: It's since the week Just before Thanksgiving, the there's been no famine. Yeah.
1: Just not not for business. Yes. A few weeks ago, Mike and I were talking about how we wanted to do a few episodes based on questions from other small business owners that we received because we get some questions on our Facebook and Twitter feed and Instagram, LinkedIn. So we went to our Facebook page and took a couple of questions off there, and that's what the next few episodes we're going to be working through answering some of those questions. So the first question that I thought was um, – applicable because it's coming from one of my dear friends. He was actually a uh, a member. (laughs) He was in our wedding party. He was one of the groomsmen and he has been a small business owner for over 20 years. He runs a really cool business, which I had never heard of until Scott was telling me about how he got dressed one day in all of these bite-proof clothing (laughs) and let a german shepherd come at him and i was like why and he's like oh because my friend joey runs this company where he goes and finds dogs and then trains them to be like attack dogs police dogs drug sniffing dogs and i was like you never think somebody has to go Mm -hmm. find those animals and train them so joey's been running this successful business since scott was just getting out of college And he still wanted to know what were our tips and tricks and thoughts on how you evaluate and deal with feast and famine. And that just goes to show that you could be five years into it, 10 years into it, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. years into it, and you still might not have um, mastered the cycles of feast and famine.
0: What's the name of Joey's company?
1: It's Arete Canine. I might be slaughtering the pronunciation of that, but it's A-R-E-T-E, canine. Um, Joey and his, um, lovely partner, Heather travel the world, going around to all these different countries, checking out and evaluating dogs. And then they decide which ones they're going to bring back. They bring them back to the States. They train them up and then they sell them to police academies, airports, um, security companies.
0: Wait, was I sitting next to Heather? You were at the wedding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. Say hi, Heather. They're fun. Hi, Heather. Hi, Joey. How are you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, really cool couple. Very on point because we are heading into the holiday season. One of our last podcasts, if you didn't
0: listen, it was episode 21. We're, uh yeah, 21.
1: Anyways, we had a podcast that came out. Um, one was all about merry marketing and the that other was, was okay. Um, and the one before that was about how to stay busy and be um, ahead above the rest during the holidays. And this is just kind of a continuation, but thinking of it all year all year round.
0: Yes. The first thing, and it always comes back to one of your tried and trues that you teach and preach and swear by, is... How to stay out of the feast and famine cycle, which is not easy, but it's systems and processes. And if you've said it once, you could retire for a number of times. You say it, and with good reason. I do. But if you have those in place, that's going to help you avoid the drastic feast and famines.
1: Yes. So people are probably out there saying, I know what a feast and famine are. And then there's others that are like, what the heck are you talking about? We're not talking about the, you know, needing to stockpile potatoes. What well, we are talking about in business. Um, when you're feasting, it's when things are going awesome your the checks are rolling in the money is rolling in you're feeling fat and happy you're planning vacations everything is just you are walking so on I got into this. <laughs> cloud nine it seems like everything's just going right and you are ecstatically happy with the results from your business you probably are starting to drop doing some of the things that helped get you there in the first place which we'll talk about a bit later When you're feasting, you're not really spending a whole lot of time digging into the details of why you're doing that or how you should stay there, but you're just really enjoying being in feast mode.
0: Oh, very much so. Feast mode and feast mode. You forget about a lot of things when things are going well.
1: You do. And how would you describe famine mode, Mike? Coach Mike.
0: Famine is when stress rolls in. The worst part about that is... You don't know how you got there because you weren't paying attention to what got you to the feast part. When you go into the famine, when you go down into the valley, then we start making bad decisions. You panic, you get stressed, you make bad business decisions. You look to take any job, any client. We've all been there. The goal is not to get there again, but it, it comes back down to, and most of my analogies are sports related. If you're an NFL team, you're going to scout your upcoming opponent, but the good teams scout themselves. So when you are at the ultimate peak that you've ever been at, things are going well, money's rolling in, that's the time to start digging down into what got us here instead of when you get down to the valley, oh, crap, how did we get here? That's the thing is when things are going good, that's when you really start asking tough questions on All right, how can we get leaner, meaner? How can we scale? How can we do all these different things? Because you're in a position of power right there. It'll keep you from getting into that valley and going into famine. But when you're doing well, that's when you take stock of, this is what we got going on. This is what's working. We need to keep doing this.
1: Yeah. And there's a couple of signs that you can be on the lookout for to know that you're going into a famine mode. One, your client pool, mm-hmm. your client backlog, your sales starts, you start seeing a decrease in your number of clients or your number of sales.
0: Pipeline dries your up. pipeline
1: is drying up. You're yep. you're blowing on that creek bed and the dust is just whoosh,
0: away. Right. That, and that's one of the first things you give up when things are going so good is, oh, man, I don't need to go out and make my sales calls today. Look at this. I'm taking Friday off. Honey, let's go to the beach for a long weekend. Man, this is the best month we've ever had. Right. And then the problems start.
1: And then shortly after lack of clients comes lack of revenue and cash flow and business is king. We've said it many times when you are running into a cash flow crunch, that's when people can start making really bad decisions. They can start taking out high interest rate loans because they don't want to have to lay off those people that they have on payroll. And if you don't plan for these downturns, which every single business, no matter how strong your business is you're still going to have cycles where sometimes your cash flow gets a little tight
0: you hear all the time wall street earnings even google amazon all those players they're going to have a bad couple of quarters they're Mm -hmm. just going to for whatever reason but they probably plan for that And the valley is not as as deep as other companies who didn't really plan for it
1: so the first half of joey's question and joey thank you so much Mm -hmm. this is such a cool topic and something that is near and dear to my heart because being in real estate, we see this all the time. Oh, yeah. Our business is entirely um, cyclical and it can become very feast or famine depending on how long you've been in the industry, what time of year it is, how much prospecting and marketing you've done. So the first piece, our first part of his question was how do you evaluate if you're in a feast or famine And Mike and I really broke it down into two different types of cycles. The first is business seasonal cycles. Now, these are things that happen because in the wintertime, if Mm -hmm. you're selling real estate in Michigan and there's eight inches of snow that hits, people probably are not going to be too inclined to go out and look at properties. Mm -hmm. We see a little bit of a seasonal cycle down here in the winter, but when we see it the most is during the summer when everybody heads out to the beach. So I know that there's certain weeks that I'm not going to put my listings on the market. We're constantly looking at the data to see when's the best time to get our buyers out because there's less buyers out there and less competition for them. So those are seasonal cycles. If you um, own a Goodberry's franchise, you need to know what your seasonal cycles are for when people are out getting ice cream. When is Little League season? What's every Little League season love to do after they win a game? Oh, go or, for a snack. Yeah. Or lose a game. Yeah. Absolutely. I loved going and getting ice cream yes. after baseball. Oh, so yep. fun. So there are a lot of different reasons that your business might be, can't think of the word, Famining, Mike. No, it know, could seasonal. be um, I don't know, but not I love this. game. suspect too. Oh, no, you don't. You're looking at me with the squinted eyes. <laughs> your business susceptible. could susceptible. There Thank you.
0: you. <laughs> Look at me with a big edit. SEC. Yes. Word. I like that. I couldn't
1: <laughs> think of it. There are, there are re- many reasons why your business might be susceptible. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I can go home now. <laughs> me too. <laughs> learned, learned a new word <laughs> I that i have forgotten. And I thought of it. <laughs> In seasonal cycles. The other, which we saw my business go through this last summer. Is self-inflicted cycles. These are times when you make some choices in your life or business that trigger you to go into a, a famine, mm-hmm. or sometimes a feast. Yep, they can go either way. When you're addressing your business and looking at it to evaluate, here are some things that you should look at. One, look at your numbers.
0: Always P and L. Uh, conversion rates, pipeline, be aware of your numbers and where they're coming from and why.
1: Past data can give us so much information. We were meeting with a client today and one of the first questions that Mike and I asked was, where did all of your past clients come from? Because his concern is, hey, I had a stellar standout year and he's worried now that he's going to hit a famine year because- Was it a flu? And he didn't
0: really know where the numbers came from.
1: Right. And our first bit of homework for him was, you need to go find out where your clients came from and evaluate that so we can see, are these sustainable, Mm -hmm. repeatable places that you're going to get more clients from? Yes. And that's how you're going to be able to find out whether or not this rock star year you had, I mean, he should be sitting here, patting himself on the back and celebrating. And he was not. He was terrified, probably Mm -hmm. thinking, I'm now used to these paychecks and are they going to keep coming next year?
0: Mm. And you and I kind of looked at each other when he was talking, knowing probably he'll be able to sustain this because he is growing his business. He's had a good year, but he kind of knows why, a little bit of why, but he's, we're not worried about him, but he still needs to know why. And if he wants to grow, how does he do it? Let's go back to the people that were are my best referral partners. Let me love on them for a little bit. Take that from 25% of my bottom line to 38% of my bottom line in just little tasks like that. But until you know where it's coming from, you have no idea why it went away.
1: Yeah. So you need to be able to go back and look at your numbers and know where that business came from. Also, when are your biggest financial outlays? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I look at the real estate side, there are some uh, real estate expenses that come up every year. And I know every winter, this is when I have to pay you know, license renewals and they just, they just the commission comes after us and they're like, give us all your money and you just have to plan for and know that those checks are gonna have to be written even though it's my slower time of year. So I'm stockpiling money away during the year to cover those expenses that I know come during the winter. Luckily, on the coaching side of the business, we do not have the same um, unpredictability in our business expenses. Everything's pretty standard mm-hmm. throughout the year, which makes it an awesome business to be in. Yes. But there are times if we decide to host an extra luncheon or an extra seminar or something that we're going to have to come out of pocket for, we have to plan for how that's going to affect our business three, four, five, six, seven, eight
0: weeks down the road. And then at that event, we need to debrief afterwards, find out if any business came from that. So if we spent $300 for lunch, but got $2,000 in business out of it, okay, we'll make that note for next time. Or if we spent 300 and made 400 it's like, eh, A, do we want to do this particular format? And B, was this the right group to do it? Mm-hmm. But at least we knew what came from that $300 we spent.
1: So how do you... Let's go
0: back to the self-inflicted ones. Okay. Let's go back to your your wedding. Oh, gosh. But you, you, you're going to get married.
1: Yes. You're going to get married. hindsight is twenty twenty. Half of the things that I did, I'm like, kudos, you planned that and did that great. In the other half, I wish that I had hired an outside business coach for the three months leading up to my wedding, because it's like being a personal trainer. Sometimes mm-hmm. I know some of the best trainers, um, in my sphere who, when they go to train for a competition, they hire another trainer just so they have an outside expert. Because sometimes when you're really good at doing something, you still need somebody's outside expert advice to help hold you accountable.
0: Yeah. It's like, what's the the joke about a lawyer as a fool? If a lawyer represents himself, he's got a fool for a client. Yes. Stuff like that. (laughs) Perfect. The, The other thing, another option for you would have been somebody that would have planned the wedding, booked the house. Yes. Those tasks.
1: I could, have out, I could have outsourced parts of that.
0: Yeah, but I don't see you doing that. I see you doing more on the business coach early than on the details of your wedding with the house and the people. Because it was spectacular planning and execution. But that's you. So I get that.
1: But considering that was my first time doing something of that magnitude. And for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time... I planned a wedding in about four months period of time, rented a beach house, small, small beach house. I'm using my air quotes here. Small beach house that slept over 80 people um, out in Corolla, North Carolina, invited 200 of our closest friends and family, 150 people RCP'd hundred forty nine of those or so actually showed up so we Dang had right, we did <laughs> holy cow it was it was and you know having that many people staying in one place I was not only coordinating the day of wedding I was coordinating the rehearsal dinner and a week's worth of fun and activities and karaoke and a wild horse tour and you were also subletting food one day yes and also subletting the rooms out because we paid for the entire resort and then had to collect that money back. So not only was I acting as landlord and (laughs) overseer and yes, Oh gosh, I was was everything. (laughs) And when we, when we bit that off, I knew that I was biting off a really big undertaking. I also knew that it was going to give us the result that we wanted, which was enticing all of our friends and family to come be, pretty much bound to us for a week so i could oh it was fantastic so i don't regret any of it but i do wish that i had sat down with someone in advance not even necessarily a wedding planner but Mm. sat through sat down with someone and talked through what it was going to look like because i think i could have headed off a lot of things Mm. um, that were little hiccups and snafus if I had somebody I could have bounced those ideas off of, which is where I'm saying like almost like a wedding planning coach, because I would have been able to see things that when I was just in the tunnel of myself doing it by myself, Mm. I wasn't able
0: to see those things clearly. The one thing you should give yourself credit for is your real estate team was so well trained and so set up that they took care of everything here. I don't believe you missed much on this end.
1: Oh, one of my clients, um, her name's Emily. She's awesome. She was like, I can't believe that you helped me, you know, close on my house while you were at the beach. And my team was spectacular. So on the business side of things, the planning and execution went across almost flawlessly, Mm -hmm because we had pre-planned that I wasn't going to have any closings that I needed to attend during that week. We had everything. My clients all knew that I was going to be gone. They knew that I was going to be trying to work less than 5% while I was gone. Any referrals that came in, I made sure to quickly follow up with them. So they knew, hey, I'm at my wedding. Is this something that you need right this minute? Or can I give you a call when I get back next week? And almost everybody was like, oh, just give me a call when you get back. Like, it's not urgent. We're not buying a house today. Or we don't need to list our house right this second. So I didn't lose any business the week of the wedding. Now, the problem was I let my foot off the gas a ton on my marketing the three months leading up to the wedding because my bulk of my time, mm-hmm. I was spending... Even if I wasn't doing something planning for the wedding, I didn't realize how much of my brain power was going towards. Well, yeah, it's a big deal. All <laughs> of
0: <laughs> looking back on it, yeah, looking, looking at it, like, back, yeah, I'm like, kind of wasn't oh really wow, deal. yeah.
1: <laughs> God bless my husband. He tried his darndest to help, but there are certain things mm. that you can't have multiple people in charge of. No.
0: The other self inflicted thing that we've talked about on previous episodes. In the small business life, it's wonderful. If you get if you do your work, you get to the point where you can take a Friday off. If you're in peak season and the money's rolling in, you start to take off three straight Fridays. And then a long week, you don't pay the price those days. You pay the price in about 60 days. Mm-hmm. That's when it starts to hit. And that's when you have to be careful to have the process in place while I'm gone, somebody... Going back to the marketing, somebody's doing the marketing for me that I would normally do. And therefore, there's going to be no glitch in about 60 days. You got to be thinking down the road.
1: Yes. And when you're in your feast phase, that is when it is easiest for your client service or your product delivery to slowly suffer because you're just so busy cranking things out that you might miss things that usually are what is a hallmark of your service yes one of the things that i do when i get really really busy is set aside time to go through each of my clients and make sure that i'm reviewing my checklists and because that's the first thing to go it's the first thing when you're super busy that yes. you you're like well okay I've done this you know 50 times in the last two years it should be pretty routine but the little things that set you apart are the ones that will be the first that get dropped
0: in sports again they still draw plays at the end of the game even though the same play they run out of bounds in a basketball game they're still going to draw it up again they're still going to look at it to make sure okay everybody knows where they're supposed to be
1: is it the right play
0: Exactly. Yes. And, and every is, once yeah. in a
1: while, they might switch it up. But for the most part, yep. you're right. They, yep. You know what they're going to do.
0: But it's, and we talk about it, it's about momentum and it's about marketing. And if you talk to businesses that have gone into famine, they'll tell you it's the marketing that stopped because they were so busy fulfilling, they couldn't sell. And then you can't sell fast enough to get back to the fulfillment stage. Mm-hmm.
1: When you think about it, this is... Probably 80% of the businesses that you see on Shark Tank mm. are there because they are trying to figure out how to get more cash flow so they can avoid going through a feast and famine. Their business is going, they've got some early success, they have clients, they have orders to fulfill, things are happening. And if they don't get that cash flow, they can't scale. And they're either going to have to say no to some business because they can't fulfill it or they're going to need to work shit ton more hours Mm. because they can't fulfill it or the quality of their service is going to decrease. Gosh, I love Shark Tank. (laughs) Big shout out to Shark Tank. One of my absolute favorite shows. And that's what they're there for they're saying hey we need some front-end money so we can avoid going through this this feast and famine
0: no matter how well your business is doing you have to keep selling you have to put on the schedule i'm going to go out for two hours today make 20 calls whatever you normally do even if you would cut it in half not recommending that But that's still better than taking the day off, taking the week off because, man, things are going so good. It's always going to be like this. You always have to keep selling and marketing.
1: I love that on our note sheet, our secret note sheet, and for (laughs) those of you who have been with us listening to these podcasts from the beginning, you'll remember that Mike would come (laughs) in here all prepared with notes and would give me nothing.
0: Ooh. I wasn't
1: allowed any notes. Now I get the notes in advance, which makes it a whole lot more fun. So thank see you. See how well I'm thank coachable. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for trusting me with the all important notes. I'm and on here he has in 20 point font. So the answer is
0: never stop marketing. You can't That's that's the difference right there. If you're not selling, eventually nobody's going to be buying. It's that simple.
1: We see this quite frequently with people who will come visit our BNI chapter, Business Networking International. When people come to a networking group and they say, well, I can't join your networking group right now because I'm too busy. My first thought is I'll be hearing from you in a few months Mm -hmm. as a coaching client because you're going to be going through a famine. If you are not focusing on how to either scale from that being too busy and get other people on your team and ready to take on that business, or you're discontinuing doing your marketing, you're gonna find that you, in a couple months, wake up and you don't have the same level of clients that you had. When you are in that feasting mode, that is when being really strategic about how you're gonna market, how you're gonna continue growing is utterly important. And also figuring out how big do you really want to get? Some people don't want to get super big. Some people just want to stay a one-man shop and that's okay. But then the next piece of it is to really figure out how to say no to a client or to a referral in a way that you don't ruin your reputation. So here's something that I found the hard way with a couple of our really good vendors. So finding good vendors in real estate first is is really difficult. You would think that because there's such a high demand for, say, people who lay tile, there's an art form to laying tile. You need to be able to be artistic in how you lay it. It needs to look good. It needs to be quality. And we have a really hard time finding artisans who can come in and do these remodels on these houses. And I'll find someone and I'll start sending them so many referrals. They get super busy. And then before I know it, they're not calling people back. They're not getting quotes out on time or the quality of the labor starts to deteriorate. And before we know it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm never sending this person another referral again because they've just their business has fallen apart. And then they're calling me four months later and they're like, hey, where are all your referrals? I'm like, well, I was sending you a bunch of referrals and your work turned to shit. That is a prime example of when you get busy, tell tell your people if you can't handle it, just say, Hey, you know what? I'm too busy right now. And but I'm never too busy for referrals. And if they're okay with waiting, I'll get to them. You know, I have a slower time coming down the road and March and if it's a project that they can wait if it's not something because they're getting a house in the market but they just want to do a remodel can they wait three months and a lot of people for the right price or to know that they're getting quality they'll be like yeah sure I'll wait and I'll just plan to have that project done down the road but if you just don't hear back from somebody now you've burned that referring bridge and that client's going to say nothing but bad things about you.
0: And while we're on the residential side, if you are a service provider, meaning landscaper, pest control, HVAC, if you put people on monthly or quarterly maintenance plans, that mm-hmm. will be recurring revenue during downtimes that you can count on because it's all about budgeting. If you well, excuse me, it's all about revenue. So if you know every month I've got this coming in, if you have twenty Monthly accounts or quarterly accounts—they're each worth three hundred dollars. You know, at that point in time, every month, every quarter, there's six thousand dollars coming in, and then you can budget. The first thing you have to do is save the amount of money for the the essentials: payroll, rent, if you have a building, things like that. But put people on plans throughout the year, so they pay twenty bucks a month. You come out three times a year, but they're paying 20 bucks a month. So, you know, every month I've got that coming in that will help alleviate some of the famine while you're still selling.
1: Yeah, recurring revenue is a great strategy to help mitigate the the up and down roller coaster that can be feast and famine.
0: It's hard, people. It's hard. <laughs> it is. It is.
1: You know, you work so hard to build up this momentum. Yes. And then to have that momentum come crashing down around you can be almost debilitating. In- I think that's what we saw in our client today was that the thought of, okay, how am I going to keep this going? He's almost paralyzed with fear of he hasn't hit a famine yet but he's like oh man he's doing but he's doing the right thing Mm -hmm. by addressing it now before it hits
0: best year he's ever had and now he's worried about and
1: he's already trying to think through how am i gonna have this best year again one without busting myself too much without uh, abandoning my family and giving up because for him spending time with his family is super important Oh yeah. and prioritizing work-life balance and maintaining the level of production that he's doing.
0: We've got a mutual friend in B&I, Scott Bloomer. He's a painter with color world. Guess what stops probably November, December, and January outdoor painting. So he tries to find all the interior jobs he can find, but guess what he does during the holiday season?
1: Puts up Christmas lights.
0: How good is that? That's smart. Keeps his people busy. Has some revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. Think about. You
1: already own all the ladders. That's a really good idea.
0: There's a company here called Greenscape that does wonderful landscaping for big buildings. A couple of the hospitals. During the winter time, they turn their trucks into snow plows. Mm. All their clients are on retainer for snow removal. So they know, don't have to worry about that. We just call it. Give them a call. It's that it can be that simple if you know you're going to have a downtime or a seasonal slow season. A slow season, you got to plan for. It. You got to figure out so either you save enough money to get through it, or you find a way to keep your your folks busy, even if you're just meeting payroll for everybody for a month. At least you're keeping them busy because if you quit paying people, especially in the service world, they may leave you to go somewhere else. And then when you get busy or down. Two people, three people, five people. Good Be- advice, it is. Coach Mike. It is there. We go. So make a plan. It annoys him
1: so bad when I call him Coach it's Mike. That. It does, <laughs> yes.
0: So recognize the cycles you're in. Make a plan to get between the spikes on what's going to go on there, so you're minimizing the spikes. Because we're all going to have that. You have that in the retail world. We had that in the pest control world in the winter time, but we raw everybody was on most everybody's on quarterly maintenance plan. With the commercial cleaning, everybody needed it every month, so that recurring revenue was wonderful for us. For us. And save, save, save for the rainy days. Three to six months of saving, you got to cover the fixed costs like the payroll, utilities, rent. You got to keep the doors open, mm-hmm. even if you make if you make five thousand a month. And
1: taxes, the, people, make yeah. sure you save money for your taxes. Quarterly
0: taxes for <laughs> self-employed. Yes, people forget about that.
1: One of the per. F- I've had way too many coffees today. My brain is moving a million miles faster than my lips are moving. One of the first pieces of advice that I gave one of my real estate coaching clients when she was a newbie, she came back to me a couple years later and said, this was the best piece of advice you ever gave me. And I remember this clearly because I had just watched a couple of my other agents go through it and I wanted to make sure that she did not which was save some of your money and save more than you think you're going to need during the good times because that's what's going to be able to sustain you so you don't freak out and make bad decisions or pull out of the business during the low times. And here's what I mean by that. Especially in real estate, in the mortgage industry, it's very easy for people to not see because our sales cycle is so long. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for people to not be able to see that the feast is right around the corner. I've watched multiple agents get out of the business too soon, right before they were about to blow up. And if they had just stuck with it six more months, they would have gotten past that next spike. And they just didn't plan well enough to be ready to get past that bout of famine.
0: And we talked about that in some of the earlier episodes about starting a new business, how much money you need to plan on spending before you even make a dime. And if you can plan to spend, or plan to not earn any money for six months, you're good to go because you're not stressing out because you knew you weren't gonna make a penny for six months, but you had everything planned. And that can be frightening. When you get to that point of, I'm at the intersection here, which way do I go?
1: Yeah. She came back to me a couple of years later and hugged me, thanked me. Ellen, if you're listening, I adore you. Because she actually listened to my advice and made that happen because I knew it was going to happen. It's not a question of will it, it was a question of when. Mm-hmm. Because it happens to all of us, and sometimes it's very drastic, sometimes it's not, but you definitely feel it when those feast and famine times come. I've been in business and helping run small business now for 15, 20 years, watching all these cycles, and there's not one business that I've helped work with that doesn't have some sort of feast and famine.
0: Even Disney has it in the fall. Yeah. In the winter, sometimes January, they know they're going to feast in the summertime and around the holidays, but every business has that. When you do get into that famine mode, you end up doing business with people you don't want to do business with. For example, Trinity is a kick-ass realtor, gets into famine mode and somebody goes, hey, I've got this 28-year-old $125,000 house, can you list it for me? And you do the same amount of work for the most part for a $128,000 house as you do for a $528,000 house. So now you're selling a $128,000 house, do your own 3% math. It's like, oh, man, I got the same amount of work for that. But that's the problem we put ourselves in if you don't plan forward. Same thing with financial advisors. If I'm always going for a million-dollar clients, and I know that, and here comes a $25,000 client, not that you should turn down a client, but you're not going to make as much money. And you're going to do, again, you're going to do roughly the same amount of work for, a client a smaller client as you would a bigger client. So yeah.
1: I love this topic. I wish that we had more questions from our listeners because answering these things, this is fun.
0: Yep. But it's real world stuff.
1: It is. And it's it really made me feel good that Joey is successful as he is to know that he's only human also. Mm -hmm. And this is something that it's not Unheard of, it's not unusual, you're not an anomaly if you're going through this, even if you've been in business 20 years.
0: Yes. It's just
1: a matter of learning okay, how do I mitigate it and make it happen the least amount possible? I love roller coasters. This is one spot (laughs) in my life where I like to keep this roller coaster as even keel as possible. <laughs> I want this to feel like the kitty ride at Disneyland.
0: If you've been in business for two or more years, go back to your last two calendar, fiscal years, calendar years, whatever you call them, and f- find the commonality of your feast and famine cycles. Go back and find out why. Was it the same time of year? Did you do something different? Find out why so in 2020 you can plan to hopefully avoid that.
1: Yeah, um, did we wanna talk about my example? Sure. Okay. Back in the day, when I was a bar ho, <laughs> way back, way <laughs> way back in the day, I did. I had a favorite bar that I loved going to when I was in my heyday, when I was in my early twenties. Swipe
0: right, days. I literally was just picturing <laughs> myself in
1: like a flapper dress. I, no, I usually wear jeans and a t shirt and a pair of kickass heels. But back in the day, there was this local bar that I just absolutely loved going to. It was the place where you walked in. Every bartender knew your name. The pizza was good. They had wood-fired pizza. For those of you that are local in Raleigh, it's called Linwood Grill. And it used to be this hole-in-the-wall place. And on any night of the week, the patio was full. The inside was full. You couldn't even – you'd have to just wait to get a seat at the bar. There weren't a whole lot of tables for seating. And eventually, they expanded and bought the space next door. And then that was also overly busy, overly crowded. Um, service started getting hard because, you know, you're trying to carry these big pizzas through all this crowds of people. People are waiting longer. So they had a choice to make, which was either say no to customers, paying customers who wanted to come there, or they could change their business model and open a new, bigger location to accommodate the demand. Which I'm sure was a very risky process they had to go to to figure out, does this make sense for us to open a location? So they decided to open the new location. They built a brand new store across the street, across the parking lot. And they opened that up and all of us locals hated it. Didn't have the same feel. The service was off because the people weren't used to these new systems. The pizza tasted different. Even though they moved the same pizza ovens across the parking lot, just everything, it now felt like a chain because you're in this big building It didn't have the grungy, cool, eclectic vibe that it once had. And they went through a little bit of a famine for a hot second while they were trying to figure out the kinks. But what they... Did was brilliant in order to scale, realizing that for them to scale, they were not going to be able to scale based off the same vibe that they'd had from the original location. So eventually, they opened their own brewery and started brewing beer and having their own Linwood Grill brewing arm. And that brought in this whole new bougie crowd of people that are all into the microbrews and And that was how they were able to get through this feast and famine and the ability to scale, which just goes to show that if you plan it, which I'm sure they did because the owner is very smart and you really believe in your product and your process and that you're gonna be able to figure it out, I think they're a great example of a company that did it and did it well and was able to remarket, rebrand and now it's still thriving when you go there on a Friday or Saturday night, it's hard to get you. You have to be careful because if you park across the street, it says no parking and you will get towed, <laughs> but you can park over by the target. Ladies and gentlemen, I know because I've walked across that street many a times <laughs> and the beer is really good.
0: It's a constant theme that we talk about and we have four or five of those, but one of those is just plan. And Trinity has been preaching from the fir- first episode procedures and processes systems and processes in place. So, that's the lesson for we
1: today. We love helping people put systems and processes in place.
0: That we do. Yeah, that's our lesson for today on Feast and Famine. Find out why you were in a famine. Try to plan in 2020 not to be in the famine. Give us a call. Uh, shoot us a note at info at wired
1: With the number two.
0: And we we know we can help you sit down chat with you. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.